Welcome to From Beer to the Bible with your host, Urban Lee. Each week, you'll hear stories from Urban's road to sobriety and steps you can take to help you or a loved one find healing through Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, Urban Lee. Good evening. Glad you're here tonight. Remember, you can get the book at FromBeerToTheBible.com. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com. I want to talk tonight uh, and take another question from one of our listeners. Tonight, the question is around what was one of the most difficult things about maintaining your recovery and sobriety? Wow, that's an interesting question. And one of the things that comes to mind is the word pride. Pride. I'm always having to repent and be mindful of pride. If you look in the Bible and you remember, pride was one of the original sins, the sin that caused the devil to be kicked out of heaven. Uh, And before I answer the question, I want to go to the Word, and I want to read you something. We're going to read Romans chapter 12, verse 16. going to read the New King James Version. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. I love the last part. Do not be wise in your own opinion. And it's easy when you get recovered and a lot of the physical signs of addiction go away to become prideful and feel like, well, I've got my alcoholism or addiction defeated. And that's when you become vulnerable to not only the enemy, but to falling back into your addiction. And I want to share a story with you guys. In rehab, we have different AA groups that come in. And as I started to attend the different groups that were coming in to rehab, I noticed the gentleman who taught the the AA groups that I attended. He was a young guy. He had been sober a number of years. And uh, one of the things that I was trying to decide and one of the things that had taken me a long time while I was in rehab was to decide who would be my sponsor. And I looked at choosing a sponsor as a very crucial element to my recovery. So I didn't want to rush it. One of the things that I've learned about myself and I learned that the enemy uses against me is I'm a doer. And when you're a doer, you want to go do. So with that, that also means that I wasn't the world's best planner. So I started to slow myself down and I I took my petition before the Lord on who should be my sponsor. Well, uh, the Lord said to me that this gentleman, his name was Jimmy, said, Jimmy should be your sponsor. Well, I kind of thought about that, and I'll be honest with you. My pride rose up, and the reason I didn't want Jimmy to be my sponsor was Jimmy was younger than me. He was about 10 years younger than me. So, honestly, in my pride, I was thinking, well, what? how is he going to help me? Is he going to have the life experiences and the maturity to to be my sponsor? Because those of you who are not familiar with AA, AA your sponsor knows just everything about you. They work you through the the 12 steps of AA and you really, this is the one person who walks around on earth who knows everything about you besides God. So to me, it was a big choice. And I personally thought, how could a younger guy sponsor me? 
So what I did was, even though God said to me clearly that Jimmy was to be my sponsor, his dad also attended the AA groups that Jimmy led. So I said to myself, I know what I'll do. I'll get Jimmy's dad because he's older than me and I'll feel much more comfortable about that. Now, let's break this down. God had already clearly given me a message that Jimmy was supposed to be my sponsor. I rejected God's message in my prideful ways because Jimmy was younger than me and I chose his dad because I felt more comfortable and he was older. So I felt like he was a better choice. So what I did was I (laughs) overruled God, but God is good. So I go to Jimmy's father and his, his name is Jimmy senior. So I say, Jimmy senior, Hey, would you be my sponsor? And he says, yes. So fast forward a couple of weeks, I call him on the phone and we're getting ready to get started. And he says to me, I have a suggestion and a request of you. And I said, well, what's that? He says, I'm going to be going out of town for a long period of time. And I want you to go ahead and get started. I think that after praying about it, that my son, Jimmy, should be your sponsor. And I hope you're not mad and offended, but the Lord's putting a burden on my heart that he should be your sponsor. So, you know, I laughed and he's, I know he was wondering, like, what am I laughing about? Well, I tried to circumvent God. And God said, no, 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 wait. You, Jimmy Jr. is going to be your sponsor. I already told you. So, It goes back to a scripture, and I want to read it for you guys. And it's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. I'm going to read the New King James Version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. I love the end of that. And he shall direct your path. And that's what he did for me. I was trying to disobey God, and God said, no, Jimmy is going to be your sponsor. I have spoken. So I am so glad that God circumvented my disobedience and made Jimmy Jr. my sponsor because we had a great relationship. And one of the things that Jimmy did was he did not push me back to God. I remember him saying to me, Irvin, the goal of life is to seek God, to seek God. And when he said that to me, I was like, oh, no, it it struck a chord with me. And one of the things that I can truly say that now I'm constantly seeking God. And Jimmy was, as the the wise and all-knowing God, knew that he would be the best sponsor for me because he had the right amount of discipline, the right amount of life experiencing experiences, but he also had the right amount of what I will call uh, love, faith, and hope, uh, which all three I needed. And we went on, and he's been my sponsor to this day. And again, sometimes, not sometimes, but all the time, let us lean on God's understanding and not our own because I really couldn't see how a guy younger than me 
could lead me and direct my path in recovery, but he did, and he's done an excellent an excellent job, and God bless Jimmy for that. And I want to give you one other example. When I go to church, uh, a fairly big church, and one of the things that I learned is church now is about an hour. The average sermon is between 17 and 23 minutes. Well, if you're looking to spiritually mature, that's not going to be enough. And one of the things the Lord did for me is he brought a gentleman into my life to disciple me, disciple me. That's what we're supposed to be doing is making disciples. And so he helped me. And again, I was apprehensive about working with him because he too was younger than me. Now, remember, I've already been through this once. And here I am again with another younger man that the Lord has sent to me. And guess what? My pride swells up again, but I remembered what happened last time. And this gentleman said he felt like he was led to disciple me. So this time I remember what happened last time. Although I put up a little resistance, I surrendered and allowed him to disciple me. And it has been one of the best relationships that I've ever had with anyone since I've been in recovery. And not only have I grown in the Lord, but I've grown and learned how to truly be disciple and then to disciple others through, again, someone who was younger than me. And what I will tell people is, I know that the Lord always brings people in my life to lead God and teach me who are younger than me because it keeps me humble. Uh, And it says that we shouldn't think of ourselves higher than anyone else. And to be quite honest, one of the things that I've learned in life is when I meet people, I look at their physical age, but I also look at their spiritual age. And a lot of times, even with myself, my physical age did not match up with my spiritual age. And I thank the Lord that he has grown me up fast and I'm spiritually maturing where my spiritual age will match my physical age of 51 years old. So I wanted to share that with you guys, and we'll talk more here on the other side. We'll be back with more of From Beer to the Bible right here on The Word, 100.7 FM. Finding addiction help is intensely personal, and the differences in options may not be immediately clear. Hampton Ministries was founded with the intent to provide people struggling with substance and behavioral issues with guidance to find the best environment for their well-being and recovery. Our main focus is to help those who use drugs and alcohol to break free and learn to cope with life circumstances. Hampton Ministries provides a rehab welcome kit to provide crucial resources to make their journey a success. Utilizing Lonnie Hampton's principles of character, work ethic, and selflessness, participants learn to hold themselves accountable. We want to help each individual obtain the life skills necessary to live a happy, successful, sober life. If you or a loved one is wrestling with substance abuse and needs help finding treatment or to donate, please visit HamptonMinistries.org. That's HamptonMinistries.org. Welcome back to From Beer to the Bible. Here's your host, Irvin Lee. Welcome back. This is Irvin Lee from Beer to the Bible. Please remember to get the book at FromBeerToTheBible.com. Let's take another question. The other question I got from a listener today was, 
when did you know you were an alcoholic? When did you know you were an alcoholic? I'm going to take this in multiple parts and sections. First, I knew I was an alcoholic when anytime there was a problem, a challenge, I would immediately run for comfort in alcohol. And then as I was doing that, you go, at least I did, I went from a stage of where drinking was fun and exciting to drinking became a habit to drinking became an addiction. And I knew that I was in trouble when no matter what the problem or situation was, I always needed a drink to what I would say calm my nerves or give me comfort. Anytime I needed guidance, I would go to alcohol. And we're not to seek guidance from alcohol. Our guidance, comfort are supposed to come from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So I knew I was in trouble then. And the more you drink, and at least for myself, I started to notice the physical symptoms and the physical cravings of alcohol. So I would go places and my hands would shake and they would shake violently. And then I would say to myself, oh, I know how to make this stop. I need a drink. So I would get a drink. And before I got ready to do anything important or when I needed courage, when fear came, and I needed some courage, well, I would just go get a drink. I had a tough meeting ahead, go get a drink before the meeting. So it became my crutch in every situation. So at that point, I said, oh, man, I am really becoming an alcoholic. And But I was powerless to stop it, and I knew it. And what you do is you start trying to control it. So I, I made a set of rules. I had my drinking rules. I wouldn't drink before 12. I tried not to drink before meetings, after meetings. Uh, I tried not to have more than a couple of drinks. Um, I was a business owner. So at the business, I tried not to. So I had all these rules. Well, normal people don't do that. And then if I went out in a social environment, I would say to myself, you can't have more than four drinks. That was early on in my addiction. Then it would be, you can't have more than six drinks. Then at one point it was like, you can't have more than 10 drinks in five hours. So I had all of these crazy rules and I said to myself, normal people don't do that around drinking. And when I wake up in the morning Instead of the first thing on my mind being my wife or the Lord, the first thing on my mind was, when can I start drinking again? Because I think you guys can all recall, I said the devil uses fear, like a hundred forms of fear to keep you in bondage. So he was always, everything he did to me was built around fear. So to alleviate that fear, I would always need to have a drink. So that was when I knew I was an alcoholic. And I remember going to the store with one of my, it was actually my niece and my nephew, and I had to pull a credit card out at CVS to pay for something. And I was shaking so violently, so violently. And I literally 
could not get the credit card into the little machine to pay for it. And at that moment, I said to myself, man, I'm, I'm in bad shape here. But I couldn't stop it. I saw myself spiraling deeper and deeper into alcoholism, but I was powerless to, to stop it. So at that point, I knew. And then it took me to spiral to the point of where I finally gave up and wanted to go to rehab. It took me, I would say, about four months. And I remember the last day when, you know, my wife, my dad, of course, were saying to me, they were primarily the two who were saying to me, you need to go to rehab. But I was resisting it. I kept saying, no, I'm going to just get up and I'm going to count my drinks and I'm going to be able to live and I'm going to be able to function and I'm going to be able to continue drinking. And I remember that last day. I went to get myself out of bed and I physically could not get out of bed. I physically could not raise myself up and I started crying. And I knew then that there was no way that I was going to be able to help myself. I knew then that I would have to go to rehab. So that's when I knew that I had lost control of my life my life had become unmanageable. And I want to talk about AA for a moment. Uh, The rehab I went to, Grapevine Valley Hope, God bless Valley Hope, their 12-step rehab. And I want to talk about the 12 steps. And I remember when I got sober, they have a big board uh, on the wall, and it has the 12 steps. And I remember attending class for the first couple of days, and they said, these are all the steps that we're going to take you to that will lead you to sobriety. Well, I looked at all those steps, being who I was at that time, and I was like, man, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get through all of those steps because they look daunting when you see them. And And I bring up the steps because the first step is this, and let me read it to you. There's 12. We won't have time to go through them all today, but I want to take time to go through hopefully the first three. The first one says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. That struck a chord with me because at that point, when I hit the doors of rehab, I could not manage myself, my marriage, my business, and my life. And this is something I really have never told anyone. But that day when I couldn't get myself out of bed, I remember communicating to the Lord, get me out of here. Just get me out of here. I quit. Get me out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. So I said, give me death. I'll take my chances with it. And he said to me, I don't give death. I give life. So get up. He said, I don't give death. I give life. And that was when I got up and agreed to go to rehab. 
So when I saw this first statement, and I'm going to read it to you again because it's the first step in AA. It's admitting that you are powerless over alcohol and that your life has become unmanageable. When I saw that first step, I said, that's me. I was incapable of life itself to the point where I asked the living God to get me out of here. That's how deep in despair and how serious alcoholism is that one would want to give up on life because it's so hard. Because there are things that happen to you in your active addiction that are spiritual. They're the physical things, but then there are the soul and the spiritual things. And I will call it spiritual torment of your soul, spiritual torment of your mind, and things that manifest in and through you because of this alcoholism that has opened the door to our great enemy, Satan, that there are just things and consequences unless you actually go through them. Only another alcoholic or addict can can testify to what I'm saying to you right now that you literally want no part of. Because think about it. If you look at my life from a worldly sense, most people would say I had a good life. But here I am saying, Lord, get me out of here. I was ready to give up because I had so much darkness in me that there was only a flicker of the light left. But when I heard that flicker of light, when the Lord says, no, 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 son, I'm not giving you death. I don't give death. I give life. And that was enough to get me up out of that bed and get me into rehab. And so when I saw step number one, I knew, yep, I'm an alcoholic. That's me. And then step number two, I'm going to read it to you, came to believe a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And in all honesty, when I got to rehab, I didn't know what I was going to believe. I didn't know if I was going to just be spiritual or believe in Buddha, the door, who was going to be my higher power. But what I knew is I had the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. And although they never pushed me back to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ took me by the hand and led me back to him. He For many years, I used to tell people, I know that I can't go on living the life that I live. I'm just waiting on the Lord to show up. I'm just waiting. And in honesty, the Lord was waiting on me to accept who I was in Christ. And a lot of the torment and the things that I did in my self-inflicted suffering was because I didn't want to be who God called me to be. I didn't want to be a man of God. I wanted to do my own thing. And for my disobedience, I was allowed to suffer. But I got to say that now that I'm home with my father, the living God, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, I've never been happier. Doesn't mean my life's perfect, but I have peace. And I have the peace that the Lord Jesus Christ left for me.
Step number three. I think this is my favorite step. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So we made a decision and I made a decision in my soul, my mind, my will and emotions. I'm yours, Lord. Do with me what you will. This is Irvin Lee, host of From Beer to the Bible. You can get the book at FromBeerToTheBible.com and you can find information on Hampton Ministries at HamptonMinistries.org and I want to leave you with this. The love, I love you. The faith is in Christ Jesus and the hope is found in the Lord our God. May God always richly bless you. Thank you for listening to From Beer to the Bible with host Irvin Lee. To learn more, visit FromBeerToTheBible.com. There you can catch past episode podcasts and find other resources. That's FromBeerToTheBible.com.